Alright, we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Are we on? Here we go. And we're going to start in verse 50 and go to the end of the chapter here, and then we'll see if we can get into 16. He says, Now I say this, brethren, that the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. This incorruptible must put on incorruption, and the mortal must put on immortality. So when this corrupt, <coughs> corruptible has, been put, has put on the incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of the sin is the law. But thanks to God, who gives the victory through Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. <clears throat> so we want to ask the question, when is victory over death? Physical? Yeah. When is victory over death? Okay. Jesus, during his resurrection, you know, in his resurrection, he he changed all of that. Okay. The thing. Okay, so that's that's past tense. So that's past tense, and yet here it speaks of it in a future tense, right? And that's why I asked the question. So why, if it's something that Jesus did, is it spoken of as a future thing? Judgment day, he will bring those who are dead. Okay. However that works, you know. All right. It's not that it hasn't happened. Um, it all just depends on from whose perspective we're talking about. And that's the difference. From Christ's perspective, it's a done deal. Right? Um, the reign of death is terminal itself. Death, if you, <laughs> that's kind of a strange thought. Death has a terminal illness. It is going to be done away with. And, and it has a, a, a destiny, it has a fate. The cure has been accomplished. Right? We found a cure. We found a cure for something. That's good. It takes a little time for the cure to get to the market, doesn't it? So, so there's, there's that period in between. Uh, and and so, so the cure has come into market for you and me. So from our perspective, it's still a future thing. Uh, where God is, chronological order means nothing. Time means nothing. The fact that it was done or that it's going to be accomplished, that, that really means nothing to God. And so, <clears throat> but we live where time means something and order means something. Uh, in order in terms of 
order of events. It may become as each person dies. Okay. It may become their change for them at that time. Okay. Whereas while you're living, sure. it still has to. Right. Now he speaks of it as as being, in a sense, yes. Um, I'm I'm going to be uh, immortal. However, whatever that's going to be, I might not be in my final state. That seems to be something that God does at once um, at that second resurrection. Um, But uh, from my perspective, it's not accomplished yet. I am still going to die. Christ made the, the cure, but I am still going to die. The death has one battle. There's one more battle between me and death. <laughs> the only one. And it's going to win. It's going to win. And then it will immediately lose. <laughs> right after that. And that is the irony. He says, where is your sting? Think about it. What life is all about I mean, a good portion of life on this planet, I mean normal life, is about avoiding death. Right? Avoiding the uh, health insurance and everything that people are really concerned about is avoiding death. We seatbelts in your cars. And we, everything we do, everything, everything, everything is about avoiding death. Something that's inevitable. Or, or, or about the appearance. Right? Oh, this skin cream and that thing and, and you, this surgery and that surgery. It's all to avoid the appearance of... and, and, and the, the, the mortality that we have in our body to, to pretend that that's not happening. <laughs> That is like that so much of our money is spent on this, and it's inevitable. And here's the greater irony he says, Really, death, where is your sting? All of this money that gets spent is to try to avoid, first of all, a moment that we can't avoid, and second of all, it's only a moment. We spend all our energy, our, our worries, our anxiety over a moment. And that moment's... Yeah? I think a lot of people worry because they're not real sure where they're going. Oh, I, I think that's true. And I think you can, you can have people who act all confident, and then when the moment starts coming, they start thinking about stuff. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of those questions come into play. Yeah. And so he says, Death, where is your sting? You you come up to the moment. <clears throat> and I, I I don't know how much you actually feel. I mean we're worried. We see I think sometimes the process to get there is a lot worse than the moment. And um, 
But even if it's severe, it's still a moment. And then... So for all my worry, I can't avoid it. And the reality is that as soon as it... As soon as... It's like chasing a parked car. Uh, You know, the dog's chasing a parked car and catches it. Now what? You killed me. Now what? What do you got? (laughs) Well, that was it. Oh. You can't do anything to me beyond that point now. I am unreachable by death. It's it's kind of a it's, a... it's a big thought to me. And so with that, we get into the application. So because of that, what kind of character should a Christian have? So then, okay, steadfast and movable. That's just a moment. So you have no real reason to be shaken. The resurrection's there. It's coming. It's, it's going to be maybe a bad moment, but it's just going to be a moment. And then it's not going to have any more stinks, so be steadfast and movable. Yeah, imminently. I mean, yeah. Pretty quick. Yeah. As you read Paul's writings towards the end, he starts to get, it looks like, I don't know, through inspiration, that this might be a little bit longer than we were thinking. <laughs> you might want to get some jobs. <laughs> don't quit your day job. <laughs> this might take a little bit longer than we thought. Um, so... So he talks about work ethic and things like that. Because there were people like, if he's coming back any moment, we might as well quit our jobs. No, 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 keep your jobs. (laughs) So be steadfast and immovable. Uh, Christ has accomplished these, but it's still going to take some time to get there. We haven't received them yet. You and I are still subject in this life to chronology, to, to order of events. So we have to maintain that benefit. Right? If I want the cure, I'm going to have to do the things that get me to it. Right? Christ is accomplished, that's his side. That's none. But I get it here, and I've got to do the things right, that the, the idea of once saved, always saved. Again, there, if that is true, then verses like this should not be in the scriptures. They don't make sense. Why should I be immovable? Why should I be steadfast? What is the need to be steadfast unless there's a chance of me not getting the benefit of immortality? What Christian activity? We want to get into some Christian activity. Always doing what? 
I want to take this phrase apart. Okay, the Lord's work. He says, always abounding in the Lord's work. So let's, let's look at that. First of all, let's look at the idea of abounding. What does that mean? Okay. Mine says fully. Fully? What ideas, what concepts come to our mind? Whatever it is, it's not minimal in participation. It's abundant. I think many, too many people think that, well, I've been involved in a project or two. I've kind of gone above and beyond. We have this extra credit kind of idea. Like, well, there's church stuff. Like, I come to church, and, and, then, and then anything I do beyond that's kind of like, well, there's an extra credit there. God says, always abounding. Always abounding. That's, that's two words put together that, that require a lot. That's why you can't live two lives. Right? Yeah. You can't live a work life or a social yeah. life. Uh-huh. Life. Right. Yeah. There was a, there was a, I've, I've used the illustration before. There was a monk, and I don't know, I can't think uh, his his name, but he, he went to a, uh, he went to some monastery. He was just a normal guy, and then he was like, "I wanted." He wanted to get away where he could, he could, just be with the word and stuff like that. And and he thought that a monastery was the way to go, and and be you know up there on the hill somewhere in the presence of God. And and uh, and he got up there, and he was low man on the totem pole. So they had him doing the dishes for the older, more senior monks, and they had him you know making making dinner. And so he's running around, and he's like, "I left a world of of." doing stuff and I came up here to be separate and I'm doing stuff I was like this is not what I had in mind and uh, and so he, he said I had to learn to practice the presence of God no matter what I was doing that's what it taught me was that in doing a task which would have been smart if he could have learned that where he was you know because he could have possibly influenced more people but but learning that, like at your, like you're saying, at your job or at your whatever, that is a place to be doing the work of God. It's it's not separate. It's like oh, I got my work life and now I got my church life. It, it's practicing the presence of God no matter where you're at. And doing what he says, the work of the Lord. This is important. Such a small phrase. But it is important. Why is it important? I think it's important to be doing. I don't think that, you know, I think God kind of made us to be a part of whatever it is that we believe in. And when we just are, when we're not doing anything, I feel like we're just kind of. Okay. So that's the accent on the doing. But the phrase, the work of the Lord. Why is that significant? As opposed to 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> or just to, you know, work to, you know, stay alive or whatever. Okay. And to, to, you know, make sure you're taking care of the Lord's work. Okay. What needs to be done. I think a lot of times, <clears throat> the same mentality that would kind of view it as an extra credit thing is the men, same, you will find, it's not the same mentality, but you'll find in, in, in those people or in yourself if you've ever kind of been upset <laughs> how much you're asked to do. Well, they're asking me to do this again. That a lot of times it's viewed as the church's work. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Like, like the church is asking me to do this. Like you're doing somebody else's work. Or the preacher is asking me to do this. Or the elders are asking, like it's the elders' work. Or it's the preacher's It's not the elders' work. It's not the preacher's work. It's not even the church's work. It's the Lord's work. And, and I think if that's a mindset that helps if we remember who we're doing it for. That helps involvement a little bit. Oh yeah, I'm not doing this for the preacher. I'm not doing this for the elders. I'm not doing this for the church. You have to change your attitude. Right. Um, I have to. Right. I get to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to, I get to. But then, again, on the other side of that, there are times when we've got activities going on just to have activities. Mm-hmm. That's true. And then you have to stop and say, right. are we entertaining ourselves? Sure. Because people aren't coming right. in. There's, there's introspection. Yeah. <coughs> I, I think that's, that's good to review and say, you know, is, is this accomplishing? Is there, or if we, if we just also on the, you know, it's like you go back and forth. If we stop this, we should replace with what? <laughs> you know, okay. This isn't doing what we want it to do. Okay, what then can we do better? How can we occupy our time and do a work that is a work for the Lord, that is more effective work for the Lord? Uh, but always, but not to the point of not doing a work for the Lord. We should always be abundantly doing work for the Lord. That's, that's important. Um, so let's... Um, get into the last chapter. Not a lot here, a lot of, uh, but, but there is stuff to be gained. Uh, now concerning the collection for the saints, I have given orders to the churches of Galatia that you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, so that there are no collections when I come. And when I come, whatever you approve by your letters, I will send to bear your gift to Jerusalem. But if it is fitting... Um, that I should go, then they should also go with me. Now I will come to you when I pass through Macedonia, for I'm going there. And it may be that I will remain or even spend the winter with you. And you may send me on your, my journey wherever I go, for I do not wish to see you uh, now on the way, but I hope to stay with you if the Lord permits. And I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great and effective door has been opened to me, and there are many adversaries. And if Timothy comes... See that he may be with you without fear, for he does the work of the Lord, as I also do, and therefore let no one despise him, but send him on his journey in peace, so that he may comfort me, for I am waiting for him with the brethren. 
Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to come with you, uh, come to you with the brethren, but he was quite unwilling to come at this time. However, he will when he has a more convenient time. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave and strong. Let all that you do be done with love. I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia. They have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that you also submit to such and to everyone who works and labors with us. I am glad about the coming of Stephanus, Fortunus, and Achaeus, for what was lacking on your part they supplied, for they refreshed my spirit in yours and yours, and therefore acknowledge such men. And the churches of Asia greet you. Aquila and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. All the brethren greet you and greet one another with a holy kiss. This uh, salutation with my own hand, Paul. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. O Lord, come. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. So we get into a Christian, uh, some more, or continue in Christian character and activity. What activity do we see stand out specifically? A number of directions regarding this. Collection. Okay. What is this collection for? Let's be clear. Okay, it's going to Jerusalem. Uh, So in Jerusalem, they're having a harder time. Uh, Katie's been talking with a guy in India. When they become Christians... Uh, it's a different situation from what's going on in Jerusalem, but probably not too far different. If you become a Christian, um, there's still a caste system in India. Um, And so you're the untouchables. You're the lower of the low. Now they have like a welfare system for the, because there's certain jobs you can't get if you are in the low caste. However, if you become a Christian in India, you do not get even that your welfare essentially is taken away. So, so it's, a, it's a way to try to keep you. Oh, yes, that's a wonderful system. Um, so, so, so nice the Hindus are. Um, and um, I know Hinduism is not presented that way. Hinduism is presented as being all wonderful, peace-loving kindness, but it is not. Um, so... Uh, and probably a similar thing was happening in Jerusalem. All of a sudden, you're a Christian. Hard to find a job. And by the way, it's still like that. It is still like that. I, I knew a, a girl when we were in Ukraine. She was Jewish. She went to Israel to visit her father and stayed with there. And she's Orthodox, an Orthodox Christian, which is very loosely Christian. Uh, but she had, she had a, a cross necklace. And she said, I have to keep that hidden. I will lose my job and it will become very difficult. Just a cross necklace in Israel. Oh, wonderful democracy. Even today, there is a religious... I mean, she's against two worlds in, in Israel. There's still a, a heavy... In, in Jerusalem, there's still a heavy Muslim population. There's a, there's a, most of it's Jewish and then there's the Muslim sector. 
So, so it's still like that. So, so this is why the collection for the saints likely. They're probably still finding great difficulty surviving. So, um, this is not talking about uh, the offering for a local thing. That would be above and beyond that. No, technically, this would be above and beyond that. This was a special offering for something. We get into this discussion of is this a tithe or not a tithe. He doesn't use that word. He says, whatever you plan to, to, to give or whatever, that's, that's what we're giving. But I do want to look at some of the details of this, um, of this offering. When was it taken? Okay, yes, be more specific. Okay, also, yes, we're going to get into that, the details of Paul. Every week, doesn't it? What does that imply beyond offering? They met every week. What else did they do then when they met every week? Okay, because Paul talks about as often as you do it, Right? Some people say, well, that could be quarterly. No. If they were meeting quarterly, I suppose, they're meeting every week. Now, by this time, uh, when we, there's a difference between now and at the beginning of the church in Acts, where they were meeting daily in the temple. They're not doing that now. They probably didn't even have midweek services. They were meeting once a week. Right? Um, Setting is different, um, you know, the, but they were making sure they met every week. That was important. They were meeting for communion, and so since we're here, we're taking our offerings on the first day of the week. And they're doing it in succession, trying to build up a, 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 an amount, a good amount, uh, to take... Uh, so he's going from church to church, and then they present him that, and he's going with a, a tidy sum to uh, uh, to Jerusalem. What other specific is in there? We just mentioned it. It's being collected before Paul gets there, and what else? So what, what's the purpose of it? No, the purpose of the timing of the collection. Okay. Now there's one other detail about Paul in here and the collection that is significant. We're going to add those together and get an idea here. He will give letters of introduction to the men. Okay. That's important. It's not a, this isn't just like a little throwaway detail. He says, listen, if you want me to go, that's fine, but other men are coming that you've appointed and set apart to carry your money. I'm not taking your money. 
so, so the, important. Yes, and, and I think the two things together are important. Paul says, I don't want it being collected when I'm here. I want it all set aside, and other people are taking it. Why? He doesn't want to be accused mm-hmm. of being paid. Okay, okay that's a part of it. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> it's transparency. It is a good idea. Yes. Okay. Right. Instead of just Paul doing everything, right. Paul does this, Paul does that. There's other peoples and other other. Okay. So so there's there's a lot of stuff happening. You're right. There's a lot of stuff happening. One, he's training other people to do stuff. So that's a part of this. You're training other men to be involved in doing things. So we're going to get into that just a little bit more. But you are also, it's, it's transparency. It, it, it's not good for, A, for any person to be singularly responsible for a lot of the money. <coughs> Even a really conscientious one. Because it's too easy to go, oh, you know what, I, I, I need this, I'll, put, I'll, I'll, I'll pay it back. And you might. And then they'll be, oh, I forgot to pay it back. And then it just gets easy to... to get into that. I, I think probably that's how uh, um, um, Judas got to where he was. And also it's a case of sometimes you, you personally think that some money should be given for a particular thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of things. So, so there were representatives from that church. Yeah. Um, but it is just a good idea for and I think Particularly, it's, it's a good idea for the preacher not to be the one who's in charge of money. Even in the beginning of the book of Acts, it was laid at the elders' feet and not the, the preacher's feet. It's, it's, a, it's just a good thing to have multiple people and to have those not be the preacher. Right? So it's just it's good business practice. And they, were, and they were used to people skimming money off the top. I'm sure. I mean, well, look at the tax collector. Yep. Yep. I mean, that's, that's the way they made their yep. yep. So they were so used to that. Yeah. And it would have been easy to be cynical, especially with a group of people in Corinth that are not of Paul. Remember that group? We're of Apollos. We're of Peter. So you have a couple of groups that maybe Paul is not their favorite guy. So he's like... Oh... Um, No, I don't think he wanted it. No. He's like, no. if the, and it wasn't I, his job. right, it wasn't right, You're right, right. So that's to me. That's why he, you know, he says, if it is fitting that I have go also. Right, and, and that's kind of like uh, some versions will say, if you really want me to go, kind of, if you really insist that I go, I'm taking these guys with me. I'm, I'm. Y- I'm not taking your money and, and going to Jerusalem with it. Well, he says, too, he says that there's a great door that's open for Okay, and I want to get to that. Yes. Uh, so, so, he, so, so we want to talk about short-term plans and long-term plans. Uh, and, and we're not going to get through everything, uh, but we're going to try to wrap it up um, 
there's a lot of little little stuff that we can pull out. I just want to hit a couple of important points as he's closing. Remember, he's talking about unity still throughout all of this. And contribution goes to unity, unity of, uh, of people in different locations. Everything here has been about unity. So he, he has some short-term plans. He says uh, now he's going to spend some time with the various churches on his way to Jerusalem, and Corinth in particular. And then he says, I, I want some help from you so that you can be with me, right? so, so, so you, can help, you can help me always. Well, what, what were they going to do that would help him always? Not financial. Money runs out. <laughs> right? How, in what way were they going to be able to help him always? Continue okay. Okay. He's going to spend some time with them. Relationship stuff helps you. In, in those dark moments where he's going to have in a prison, he's going to have moments. And if he just busts through, okay, I'm picking up the money and I'm on my way, he, doesn't, he loses that. He loses that, that benefit of relationship. So he's not just all about the business end of let's get things done, let's do the work. He's, he really is about spending time with people. Um, because this is going to be one of the last times he might have another chance. I'm not sure he ever got back to Corinth after he got out of prison in Rome. But um, So I want to look at chapter 16, verse 9. What is the significance of chapter 16 and verse 9? talk about open doors and when I read this verse I always think of I'm going to quote Princess Pride for you uh, and Inigo Montoya says to Vicini you keep using that word but I do not think it means what you think it means <laughs> open doors <laughs> what is an open door Okay. When people use the phrase "open door," how is it used? The Lord's will. Okay. An easy way. Okay. And typically, how does God show us His will, His open door? What is an open door? Describe. Give me what would be an open door. Someone says, "Well, God just opened the doors." What does that mean? Okay, those right off the top, those are going to be nine, those two things, something to do with your house, something to do with your job, are going to be 90% of the references that people will be making when it comes to God gave an open door. Okay? There will be a little stuff down the line, a promotion, but that's still a job. You know, something, but all of this, what did it accomplish? What did all of this do? It made it it made it easy for me to know or figure out or accomplish what God wants me or what I think God wants me to do. Yeah. 
In reality, how does Paul use the word? First of all, let's define it. How does he define an open door? For? Okay. For the Lord's work. It has nothing to do with circumstances. An open door has nothing to do with my circumstances. It has everything to do with the ability to do something spiritual. An opportunity. What accompanied Paul's open door? Adversaries. That means not easy. It was not easy to do. If you were Paul, viewing the situation, you would go, oh, God's closed the door here. With our mindset. With the 21st century mindset, no, no, there's there's no, I can't do this. God must be closing the doors. He must want me to go to Corinth right now. Nope. He wants you here right now because there's an opportunity to reach people. People are willing to listen. Yeah, you might have some adversaries. You might be having some financial troubles. You might be having to, you know, whatever the situation was, but you have an open door. And see, that's not the way it's used today. So keep that in mind. Um, and so that's his short-term plans were to come as soon as he could. His long-term plans, after he comes and he leaves, what else? What happens then? What happens in the long term to this church? Huh? Okay, so so Paul's got a long term. I'm not going to be around forever. And so so we're we're setting up leadership for the future. We're figuring out what it's going to look like in the future. Stephanus was one of the the first in this area to become a Christian. He's still there apparently teaching. So he's probably going to be a a, a guy who's taken over. Who else is going to be traveling to visit? Mm. Timothy and Apollos. I think it's interesting that Apollos was not real eager to... Well, it does, that's not what it says. It's not what it says. Uh, what is this? Because I, I read it that way too at the beginning. And, and what does he say? When he has the opportunity. When he has the opportunity. He's got an open door for effective service somewhere else. Maybe with Paul. I don't know. Oh, isn't that interesting? Paul doesn't say, well, he's being a bad boy because he's not listening to the Spirit. He doesn't say that. In other words, God's will isn't this specific thing that I have to figure out every moment where I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to be doing. Apollos had the right to determine when and where he was going to do the Lord's work. We have that right. That, that's possible too. 
But Paul attributes it to his own personal decision. He wanted, he, he thought about it, but right now he's doing something else, and when he wants to, he'll come. <laughs> we have the right to determine. And James repeats the same thing. Listen, make your plans. Just understand. You, you, you might not be alive to fill out your plans, but make your plans. God doesn't, God doesn't have this itinerary. If he does, he doesn't leave it open to huh, interpretation. Because we are very bad hint takers. And, and we put a lot of our think-sos into those interpretations, our will of God and our you know, imagination, our open doors that we see or don't see. But he had some long-term plans, and those did include Apollos, and I think that's interesting. For this church, when he says that, you can just hear the one side going, yeah, Apollos is coming. And what are they going to find when Apollos comes? They're going to find that Apollos sounds a lot like Paul. <laughs> they say the same things. Apollos is not going to come with a different message or a different gospel. They're going to agree. And I think that's good for Paul to come through. Paul doesn't have to be worried like, oh, I don't want Apollos there. I've kind of set things up for me. And then Apollos is going to come through, and I suppose if Peter had been available, Peter might come through. I don't know. But all of these people that they thought, we're of this party or we're of this party, it's all the same. And it has to be, to be unified. Uh, so, and and the, the, the last point I want to make from Corinthians, and then we'll figure out where we're going next, maybe into 2 Corinthians next week is that they leave, Paul is leaving a plan for the future, and I think that is important. He talks about paying attention to people such as these. Paul is training people. He's been training Timothy. He's been training men, and they're kind of out on their own now. There has to be a plan for the future. In Waukesha, there needs to be a plan for the future. And Bruce ain't retiring here. Just telling you right now. I don't know that guy's retiring here. What are the plans? We've got to have plans. We can't get up to that moment and go, what do we do now? Always thinking ahead. Where are we going to be in five years? Where are we going to be in ten years? Where are we going? Not just the short-term plans. We need need long-term plans. That's the things to think about. Are there men such as these? Are there qualified men who are going to take up those reins and want to do the Lord's work? Any thoughts as we close? You're dismissed.